Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 476 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains, and I am still fuming after a 3-1 loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, that was a tough one, Ross, and it's a good thing we don't talk about refs on this show, otherwise it would be a long episode, but usually the boys like it when the refs put away their whistle, but it would have been nice for the refs to have their whistle out for this one because that broken play needed uh, needed to end, and Josh Brown would have loved it to end earlier. We'll get into not only the bad, but there is plenty of good. A season-high yep. 44 shots on goal, and I want to ask you, are the Senators screwing JVD? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, January 19th in Pilsy. Rumor is you want to start the show with a retraction of something you said on the postcast last night. Yeah, I mean, uh, last night we were talking about that play and uh, I said, you know what, I don't really blame Josh Brown. He's the only man back. It's a weird play. But that was before I saw the angle of what happened. And luckily uh, in The Athletic, Ian Mendez had some quotes from Josh Brown who 100% took on the blame. He said, I can't be doing that. I can't let him uh, strip that puck away from me and get a breakaway, et cetera, et cetera. Because all he had to do was not do that. Just chip it off the boards. Even ice it if you have to, just to finally get that whistle for that play. But Josh Brown with a questionable play there. And uh, for a guy that's fighting to have his minutes secured on a bottom pair, that's not a good look. Well, he was by far the fewest minutes on ice time on the back end, playing under 10 minutes. And Thomas Shabbat felt the brunt of that extra work, playing almost 31. But let's take you through the play. If you missed last night's postcast, let's say you missed the game, you had to work, whatever it was, in the third period, about halfway through, Kyle Ocposto coming up the boards, near the benches, Brandstrom, who had a phenomenal game, I may add. He closed out Ocposto, a man much bigger than him, but put his shoulder right into him, separated the body from puck, and it got chipped into the zone. You're like, okay, a melee starts, and next thing you know, the puck's being brought up. Nobody's paying attention. There's four Senators, four Sabres in the scrum. And then, all of a sudden, TSN cuts to the wide angle again, and there's a breakaway from Mark Jankowski. Makes a nice move, don't get me wrong. Finishes on the backhand, tucks it past Forsberg's pad, and we'll get to the reason why Forsberg was in net in general. But when you're... Without fans, that's even more exacerbated because everybody's watching on TV and you're only watching the scrub and then the game-winning goal scored two minutes later. So, yeah, Josh Brown, I I give him credit for coming out and speaking to the media. He probably yeah. didn't have to do that. Definitely. But at the same time, he shouldn't be in that position in general. He said after the game, one of the things that I thought about jumping into the melee, if he did, they would have blown the play down. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> And that's what Josh Brown is brought in to do. It's to be the guy to take on the brunt of those physical uh, altercations and, and not Eric have other Brandstrom. guys. Yeah. And 
Hey, again, shout out to Brandy. That's a good hit right in front of DJ hit. Smith. Yep. And that's what DJ Smith wants to see from him. So great play by Brandy. We'll get into him um, later yep. here. But the problem here, Ross, isn't the fact that there's so many players in one area. It seems like a broken play. Normally, that would get blown down, et cetera, et cetera. But the real problem here is the linesman is literally physically holding back Ottawa Senators players. Like the second the referee or linesman gets in and is grabbing onto players and is really like restricting them from moving and continuing the play, you got to blow the play down. And I don't understand how that one, how the other referees and linesmen don't, none of them instinctively just blows a quick whistle because that's such a, I mean, hockey's a weird game. It's the only game where, like, you can have guys, like, scrumming and fighting and, like, that's okay. We'll just stop everything and let them settle it. But that's the way it typically goes. Like, I was, when the camera hadn't panned away, yeah, except, look at this. That's, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, sorry for just yelling, everyone listening in their cars. (laughs) Um, But if you're watching on YouTube, Ross pulled up the picture. And the ref literally has a hand on Victor Olsen and then a hand on, it looks like Tyler Ennis there. Or no, Ennis is on the bench. But he's got one of the guys uh, for the sense. So he's holding on to multiple players. It is Ennis. Um, and my favorite part, if you, if you are watching on YouTube, you can see all the Senders players are nearest to the bench. So once the Sabres, I know it was didn't matter in the long run because it was just Jankowski that went. But when the Sabres realized the play was still going, it all three Sabres left the scrum. Yep. And the Senders were still stuck behind the linesman and their own player who got flattened on an interference play because yeah. he finished his hit. And then it was the retaliation hit, the second retaliatory play from the Sabres in that game. The first one was called on the instigator penalty after Brady Kachuk threw an enormous hit in the first period. But that that if you don't blow it down for interference, sure. But then once the linesman literally puts his hands on a player and impedes them from leaving the scrum, it has to be blown dead. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that clear. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. And look, I don't I don't blame the Sabres here at all. Honestly, hats off to Mark Jankowski. Oh, yeah. Didn't hear the the whistle. whistle. Only guy back is Josh Brown. And uh, you're going up against a cold goalie. Hell yeah. Take that puck, get a breakaway, make a nice deke and score the game winner. Hats off to you. But it's just, it's an unfair advantage for the Sabres there. And you mentioned it. Yeah, the Sabres are able to be like, oh, crap, the play's still going. Let's all hop into the play. We're the senders. They don't have that option. They're stuck no. between their bench, the boards, and the rep or the linesman. So and the player who was just interfered with. Exactly, and yeah, like sure, uh, Pissick does interfere with Ransom, and yeah, you could call a penalty there. But I would have been totally fine with no call there and just a, a whistle. Fair. That Me would have too. been okay. Not maybe not the the perfect exact rule, but call. But at a point like that, all these players are in. Things are happening quick, and you just blow the play down. But that didn't happen, and. That ends up being the story of the game, which is unfortunate because, and we'll get to them, but there's a lot of other storylines to this game. And this was a very winnable game for the Ottawa Senators. One they let slip away, Pilsy. And I do want to finish off with the other negative note before we get to more positivity, which there was lots of. Every single Ottawa Senator had a shot on goal. And I don't know when the last time that happened. They were led by Thomas Shabbat with six and Tim Stutzel with five. Shots on Michael Hauser. The team had 44, but was only able to put one past them. And it was on the power play. But that same power play was one for five on the evening. And I want to focus in on the final power play. Because, yes, unfortunate that Jankowski scored the way he did. 
but you're not going to win many games when you score one goal. And that and there was, was a, a lot goal. of time left when that goal happened. Yeah, 10 minutes. There's yeah. te- exactly 10 minutes left in the game. They get the power play with four minutes left. At that point, what happens? Like they they didn't even really put in many many good chances on that power play. Yeah, and DJ Smith talked about it, and I mentioned it in the post game. The issue with this power play, and it's not normally the issue. Like the Sens were doing a very good job of getting into the zone, and normally that's the issue with the Sens is they can't quite figure out the breakout. The drop pass is is so obvious. They don't have guys that are confident enough to just weave through or what have you. They just struggle to get into the zone on the power play. However, last night, they were getting into the zone with ease. But as soon as they got into the zone, the Buffalo penalty killers were applying such good pressure and turning the puck over and clearing it instantly. Ross, there was one power play. I forget which one it was, but I noted that the Senators entered the zone and had the puck cleared. Five times yeah. in one minor power play. That's that's an entire two minutes of skating down the ice, getting to the zone, cleared. Skating down the ice, getting in the zone, cleared. Five times. That's two minutes right there. And that's what happened. And I know you said you would have liked to see the goalie be pulled uh, on that late, uh, late, latest, last. Late power that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but DJ Smith talked about it, and, and I agree with him, is – they just couldn't get any offensive zone time. Like if they would have been able to hold possession and cycle the puck for a little bit, he was going to pull Forsberg and it was going to be a six on four. However, they weren't able to do that. And the thing is, if you're not able to get good possession, then that's an easy, easy chance for the Sabres to shoot for that empty net every time because there's no consequence of it being an icing coming back the other way and they can't get a change. So I understand the frustration there, but I think in the end, DJ Smith did make the right move because they just didn't have it and it wasn't going to work that time. But do you think a conversation at the bench might have helped? He had his timeout. He waited until after the power play to use it. Many thought after the first unit was done, there's clearly like, I don't know if there's a team in the NHL who has more discrepancy in talent on their first versus their second unit, especially with Connor Brown out of the lineup. That second unit is a ragtag group of bottom six players. No offense. Why not call the timeout after the first unit's done their first minute and get them right back out there at the end of the game? Is he trying to save his timeout for the last two minutes? That was another questionable decision for me. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, because that second power play unit, like at the start of the year, they were actually really hot. But ever since, they just haven't been able to get things going. So, yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. That's maybe a situation where DJ Smith's looking and is like, "Ah, I might have waited that one out a little bit too long. And I did not use my timeout at the most advantageous time. Yeah, when Chris Tierney and Nick Paul, no offense, like Nick Paul does it all. But Zach Sanford, like these are not guys that you want out there with two minutes left in a one goal game when you're pressing for a goal. Maybe if you're up a goal, yeah, hell yeah, throw Nick Paul out there. But the other guys, and last, last negative note, because you mentioned it yesterday, how bad and young, sorry, how bad at faceoffs and how young the Sabres were down the middle. How did the Sabres end up winning the faceoff battle last night and giving themselves extra possession? Ottawa clearly dominated this game. The shots tell you that. The first period, they were all over them, 15 shots to nine. And second period, 19, 19 almost shots. had a shot per minute. Yeah. And imagine how much more that could have been if they had won 60% of their draws instead of 48. Like, at some point, you got to look down the middle right here. And a guy who we had circled in the faceoffs, 
was Tim Stutzla, who I guess did better than his season average, but was still at 43%. Dylan Gambrell, 43%. It's just frustrating because, you know, this is the first time the Senators had been favored to win a game, and they were big-time favorites, minus 215 at betonline.ag, and they just – didn't couldn't get that that one pass and I guess it starts off you allow the first goal and then you're kind of chasing the game from there yeah exactly and um I mean we, we can get into this on the other side of the ad break here but there definitely was a lot of things that uh you know just didn't go the Sens way that night and um yeah. it's unfortunately it starts with Matt Murray it starts at four o'clock yeah. when the senators found out he was not going to be able to go for a game that was three hours later. Why not get a built bar, India Murr? Maybe that'll <laughs> help. Built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And when you're feeling down, this is how you get a nice big boost of energy. It's built bar. You go to builtbar.com right now, and you can see all the great flavors available for you. All you have to do as well, if you want to try many different kinds of built bars, then you can go and get their mix box on their website and use promo code locked 15 and you'll just get 15% off your order. So that's the perfect way to decide which built bars are your favorite built bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. So you can lose or maintain weight, but you're also indulging in a delicious treat built bars, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So go to builtbar.com right now and use our promo code lock 15 for 15% off your next order. That's 15% off at BuiltBart.com with promo code LOCKED15. All right, Pilsy. So Anton Forsberg, he was my Send Central standout last night. You can go check out all of our Send Central standouts in last night's postcast. It's Including Williams Martian. Exactly. Martian joins us. Hey, this is the first loss he joined us after. Usually that guy's True. a front runner, only comes <laughs> in after the wins. No, all jokes aside. Great conversation in the postcast where we're coming off. We're heated. It's right after the game, and we do post those in our audio feed. So wherever you download your podcast, let's say you had to miss the third period, whatever the case may be, you can listen that on your way to work. You can listen to Locked On Senators on your way home from work Monday through Friday, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. It does go a long way for us as well. But Pilsy. I mentioned Anton Forsberg, my sense central standout. He played well. I didn't like the first goal. He was caught sleeping a little bit on that Dylan Cousins pass shot, whatever you want to call it, ends up in the back of the net. And then we talk about the Jankowski goal, no chance. And then the third goal was an empty netter as well. So he still only allows two goals on 31 shots. I thought he played solid, but he shouldn't have had to play at all because the starting goalie who had two straight wins, should be an absolute automatic. And Matt Murray was at practice Monday. He was at practice yesterday, I believe. And then we hear, or no, sorry, there was no morning game. But he was at practice on Monday, and the game's on Tuesday. DJ Smith said he found out at 4 o'clock, three hours before the game. How is that even possible? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, just straight up. I have no answers here. I don't understand what the situation is. Uh, we were told it was a non-COVID-related illness. Now, Matt Murray seems to have a lot of these little kind of kinks and things that um, aren't quite working for him, and he needs to take time off. And But, yeah, again, like I said, I don't know. So what we're saying is just speculating here. I, I, like, what could have happened that between that practice and – like, why wait all the way till 4 p.m.? Like, if you have an inkling, like, I don't have it today, like, 
I've got some sort of sickness. And, and again, don't know what sickness it is. Um, maybe let them know a little sooner. Like you should be able to know by around like noon or something, if you're feeling it or not, or what's going on. Cause that's just completely unfair for Anton Forsberg. This guy hasn't played a game since December 18th. He's coming cold. That's the Philly game, right? Yeah. He's coming, he's coming in cold and has to mentally and physically prepare to get a start in only a matter of hours. And then Philip Gustafson has to make his way, uh, to the game he barely gets there in he time warm up yeah exactly so and i'm not blaming matt murray here it like you have to know yourself and you have to know your body and you have to be like okay i'm just not feeling it i need to make the decision that i can't do it but leaving it till 4 p.m just seems very odd like you, you don't see that very often and yeah, it's this has happened before too, Ross. Like this is how Joey Decord got his first NHL win. Is oh, yeah, he, he got told while skating During around warm-up. in warmups. Matt Murray like, went up ah, to him. I'm just not feeling it today. Yeah, and and you know what? Like I, I actually give him kudos for that because it takes guts to be able to be like ah, I'm kind of not really putting everyone in the best situation here, but I know myself and I know that I'm not ready, but. Like you can only do that so much, and it and it just seems unfair for guys to have to go through with that. And yeah, I think if Forsberg knows he's the starter, he might have a better game here, and he's a little sharper. Not that Forsberg was in any stretch of the imagination at fault for losing this game, but it just gives you a better, you know, you're set up for success, right? And I think with that first goal, you kind of see the rust. Like that's a goal where. It's a weird play because Dylan Cousins is looking to make a cross-ice pass and it hits off, I think, Holden's skate. And then immediately he just decides, all right, I'll just fling this at the net. And Forsberg is already reacting to shifting over to that cross-ice pass. And before he can even really register that that pass isn't going over, Cousins has slid it across and he's not quite set. So that's maybe something where your timing is off because you haven't played in over a month. And that's fair. Like, that's definitely fair. If you talk to goalies who take time off, what they'll tell you is it's not about the conditioning. It's not about all that kind of stuff. It's your reaction time. Because in the NHL, if your reaction time is off by half a second, you're done. The way these guys can shoot the puck, the way these guys react, it's the best uh, level of hockey in the world. It's so fast. If your reaction time isn't what you're used to, you can't play up to your top performance. Okay, I'm going to ask you a really hard question. What's next for Matt Murray? In what sense? Like, are, are we talking micro or macro here? M- micro. I want to know what's like. He should be in goal in Pittsburgh tomorrow. It should be a revenge game for him. And now, I, and then they have a back to back on the twenty second at Washington, twenty third at Columbus. Like, I hate to say it because I, I don't know what's going on physically, mentally, whatever it is. It's a non COVID illness. He's not injured. He's ill. Yeah. I don't want to speculate too much, but he's kind of letting the guys hang to dry here a little bit but would Especially you prefer would you prefer if he knows he's ill and battles through and and sucks like right yeah i mean we've I seen it before so yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah exactly so that's where you know like that's what i'm saying like i kind of give him kudos for knowing himself and being the guy that's like all right i know this sucks but i gotta do what i gotta do but at the same time you can only do that so often and maybe he's got to make these decisions a little earlier, right? Like 4 p.m. is cutting it real close. So, yeah. People are showing up at the rink at 4 p.m. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, I would say, Ross, to answer your question, you start Forsberg uh, or Gustafson for that Pittsburgh game. because Gus already beat Pittsburgh this year. Yeah. 
So, because he can't take that chance again, right? And like you said, they have a back-to-back coming up. So, whatever's going on with Murray, if he needs a couple extra days, give it to him. Just, you know, like, let him have that opportunity. In Belleville, they're they're fine with Sogard. Although, what's up with Mando? Is Mando uh, hurt or out? Or he was no, just... I think he's. I think he's around. Okay, so then you got Sogard and Mando for Friday's game if you need them uh, up against. I think it's the Marlies, or it could be uh, Laval. Something. Oh, like yeah, that. shocker. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I had uh, pretty safe guesses there, but okay, I know I it's one of those, those two. teams in a little while too, so they are absolutely due. I mean, the Marlies they did, but Laval. Oh, shocker! The next two games are against the Marlies. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So so yeah, the, it it would be all right if they had to do that. Um, I just think yeah, you can't have another situation where you're throwing a guy in cold here. So maybe just go for Forsberg or Gus knowing that they can get in there. I mean, why not go for Forsberg? I think he played a decent game. He still had a bunch of shots and had a a couple really good saves. So give him another chance here, I'd say. All right, cool. Yeah, Matt Murray, no idea. Not at practice today, but we do have lines for practice. We will get to those on the other side. But quickly, this is just rubbing me the wrong way. And it's rubbing the fan base the wrong way. It can't be... Good for business as well. On every off day, they're reassigning JBD to well, the taxi squad. Well, not long term when yeah. this guy should be a part of your core going forward. Yeah. So here's the situation. The taxi squad has been reintroduced. Ottawa did this last year as well. And yes, from a business perspective, you understand. It's a pandemic. You're bleeding money. There were no fans at the arena last yeah. night. That has to stay. But now imagine being a 21-year-old player. Uh, Jacob Bernard Docker played 14 minutes last night, played solid. Yep. And then the next day, he's still practicing alongside Thomas Shabbat. Clearly, he's an important piece going forward to this team. But they're reassigning him to the taxi squad to save $4,000 a day off of his paycheck. Why? Well, you mentioned it. Right? Like They're bleeding money. It's Eugene Melnick. Every cent counts. and They're it's- paying $1.2 for Josh Brown. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Then two mil for Delhi to be down in Belleville. Uh, but yeah, the it's it doesn't come as a surprise. And really, at the end of the day, it's not crazy. Like JBD is going to be okay missing a couple but, four grand pay, paydays. Right, but, but we we didn't bring it up the first five times. Yeah, like <laughs> just for one day off. Like if you do it sporadically, sure, I get it. But they're doing it every single, every single time. day. Yeah, every yeah. day. It it is kind of crappy. That's that's for sure. And if you're JBD, that's something you're gonna remember in the back of your brain. Come contact negotiations. That's yep. for sure. Um, but uh, sends going sends, Ross. That's I guess that's all I can say there. Just like uh, Mark Mathot told a story, and it it seems to still ring true because Drake Batherson got the exact same contract that Mark Mathot did. This on the from the Wally Mathot exact show. same contract. Uh, more years, but same annual average, 4.975. Oh, wow. okay. And he said that the the organization, like they started at like 4.2 and Meth wanted 5.5. Anyways, they post a clip for, for Wally Mathot, but I, I was just flabbergasted by the fact Meth said there was something, they just wouldn't put a five for optics or whatever reason. So they gave him 4.975 instead of $5 million. Like, well, and you know what's funny about that, Ross, is it seems that uh, a certain Ottawa Sun reporter, every time he talks about Drake Batherson's contract, he makes sure to say it's, it's under, under $5 million. Five million dollars. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah. No, it's not weird at all. It makes a whole <laughs> lot of sense, actually. Uh, man, don't even get me started on the Ottawa Sun. But 
I do want to talk about our friends at betonline.ag because even though they were the favorites last night, you can always get a good price on the Ottawa Senators at betonline.ag. They're the number one sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and for good reason as well. They're our friends enough that they're giving us promo code Locked On. Locked On gets you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So responsibly, of course, put in a little bit of money. $50 $50 gets you $25 welcome bonus. $100 gets you $50. You know what I'm saying. It's bingo, bango, bongo. And at the end of the day, you have to earn it at win. So pick winners and you'll make money at betonline.ag. The key is that you're not sitting on the sidelines anymore. Just get into the action. Have some fun with our friends at betonline.ag. So sign up today for your free account. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy. So the Ottawa Senators lose 3-1 to the Buffalo Sabres. Long gone is their two-game win streak through Alberta, although they did leave shrapnel behind them. What were your thoughts quickly on the dry sidle Jim Matheson back and forth yesterday where he goes, you show frustration in your loss to Ottawa. Nice little sense moment there. Embarrassing reporting. Like Hall of Fame. How many outlets are, are making sure to, to note that Jim Matheson is a Hall of Fame reporter? Yeah, that's just absolute garbage. Like, I put zero fault, zero blame on Leon Dreisseller. If anything, he should be praised that he didn't lose his temper and just cuss the guy out. Like, that is that's embarrassing to present yourself like that. Like, to say, why are you being so pissy when... What do you th- why do you think he's so pissy? Like he just lost a brutal game up against your Ottawa Senators. This team is in disarray. He's got to s- sit up there and answer your dumb questions. And yeah, for anyone siding with Jim Matheson here, I just I would love to see them like on their worst day of work have to answer questions yeah. in front of a camera. Like that is a hard thing to do and it's not fair that these guys are have to be smiles and have to be friendly all the time when they're getting these dumb questions. Yeah, and the first one, they're just insightful questions. He goes, are you more angry or frustrated? That was his first question. And he gave him a bit of an answer. You can tell this guy's got a reputation. And there was a clip I saw of a compilation from going back 10 years. It was Nugent Hopkins was in it. Everybody just like looking at him after he asked these questions, being like, is this guy serious? Yeah. So he gave him one answer, gave him two answers, short ones, sure. But whatever, it's his prerogative. He doesn't have to answer your questions at all. Uh, it's in the contract. They do have to talk to the media. But You want you want to see Marshawn Lynch handle yeah. that? I'm just there you serious, go. so I don't get fined. That's exactly. awesome. Drysaddle would have been hilarious to do that. Um, so we put up at Sense Central. What would you trade for Leon Drysaddle? Hilarious because... We actually got some answers where it's like Stutzla Sanderson plus. And it's like, that's what it would take. But I was just putting that out there just for for, uh, a few laughs. There's absolutely no way that it would happen. And um, I think for the better for both teams as well, that they stay away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, before we uh, move on past this game, Ross, we do need to give proper shout out to Branson. We gave him a little bit of credit here, but... This was oh, one we were drooling over it on the the postcast. Yeah, in well. the postcast. Yeah, that's why I want to kind of touch on it here because this had to be one of his best games. Like he was that hit was great. He was making the pass, passes the pass to Formanton to- for that breakaway. Um, he had a lot of ice time. And the real thing I want to talk about here: over eight minutes with Thomas Shabbat. Now, Ooh. man, we've seen DJ say he doesn't want Bransom on the right side and sticking him down on that third pair. How about being on the right side on the top pair? Like that's 
that's a big step for DJ Smith to have that faith. So I know, I know my kind of mindset has been the senator's, need to look to shop Branson, not because I don't think he's good, not because I don't like him, not because I don't think he can be a NHL defenseman that contributes towards playoff runs, nothing like that, just because it didn't seem like he was ever going to fit into the organization's plan for him. But he's starting to make that look a little different here. DJ Smith is giving him praise in uh, post press conferences. Like, there's been a real shift here. So I think that's a good thing for Brandstrom and I'm excited to see what opportunity he gets in the future here. Yes, certainly. He played over 20 minutes last yeah. night. The first time this season that he played over 20 minutes in a game last year, once Shabbat got hurt at the end of the year, he played over 20 minutes, almost every single game. The last five games of last season, he played over 20 minutes. Although those are the only five times all year he played over 20 games. He had four points, was plus two, although three of those points came in a win against Montreal. So, hey, he does play better when he gets more opportunity. Shocker, eh? a little confidence goes a long way yep. with a young defenseman. So between him and JBD in the lineup, I'm I'm really enjoying what this Senators decor is starting to build towards. And, you know, they've got that diamond just waiting to be shined once he's done at the Olympics, at his college, and – I'd be shocked if Jake Sanderson isn't at the World Championships this year as well later in the spring. So, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. All right, should we get to today's uh, line combinations at, yep. um, at practice? So, of course, no Matt Murray. Shocker uh, in goal. So we've got Anton Forsberg and Philip Gustafson back there up front. Norris, Kachuk, Batherson. That line stays together, but everything else is in a blender. Stutzla stays with Formanton, but now... It's Zach Sanford on the right side there, which breaks up DJ Smith's favorite line, although one of his other favorites goes to it. Whereas Gambrell Watson, now they have Nick Paul on their other wing. And then the fourth line, we're getting conflicting reports between TSN 1200 and TSN reporter Claire Hanna. But we know it's Tierney and Gaudette, and it's between Bishop or Shaw, which, which leaves one of the best to ever lace him up, Tyler Ennis on the outside looking in. Ennis, the lone extra up front on the back end, Shabbat, JBD, Taxi Squad, JBD, although still practicing on the first pair. Eric Brandstrom with, uh, oh, I, I don't, did I get this? No, I'm, I mixed this up. I forgot to put Holden back in from his maintenance day. Way to go, me. Round of applause. Holden <laughs> and Zub. Ashwan Ross. Holden and Zub, and then Brandstrom and Josh Brown as the third pair. But we know Brandy can move up and down, kind of a rover in the lineup. Dylan Hetherington back at practice as well today. Uh, he was practicing on the extra pair with Victor Mete, who I have twice on here. Way to go, me. Uh, of course, the injured players, Connor Brown, Scott Sabrin, Nikita Zaitsev, Colin White, and Shane Pinto. Zaitsev, uh, DJ Smith said, has just started skating. Okay. So I wouldn't expect him back uh, for a little while. And then Matt Murray out with illness. What are your thoughts on giving Zach Sanford the next opportunity up with Stutzla and Alex Formanton? Yeah, I mean, I guess he just wants to switch things up here. I, I feel like this is kind of a maintenance day thing for Tyler Ennis. I don't think it's a punishment. Or actually, no, I'll take that back. It's more we got to get these taxi squad in games somehow, right? And I think Tyler Ennis, you know, he wouldn't be my first guy to take out of the lineup, but it's not detrimental if that's your decision. So that's all right there. But Zach Sanford has been so weird. Like, I, I want to cheer for this guy and like this guy, but he just doesn't do a whole lot. And, I like, when we did our projected lineups for next season, I had him returning here. But I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, he just... He's even there. 
He's there. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of indifferent about Zach Sanford. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like who else would you put up there? Maybe Gaudet, just because, you know, he's a, he's a shooter. Um, but uh, I need to talk about that guy for a second as well. All right. Floor is yours. Go no, ahead. I just he, he's giving me Mike Hoffman vibes. He's so bad in his own zone. <laughs> he has no idea where the puck is half the time. But then he's got three points in four games, Pilsy. Like, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know about this guy. I know that's the thing. I, I I think I think it's good to have him around because he's kind of a, a spark plug for that second power play unit, which we talked about. Is not there's not a lot of talent there, unfortunately. So I don't I don't mind getting him in, and also like for a guy that had he's healthy scratch in Chicago, gets picked up on waivers, gets in a game, scores, is in the doghouse, gets in a game. You know, like give him a bit of a consistent stretch here to see what you really got. So I don't mind having him uh, inserted into this lineup again. Another guy who's uh, dash, 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 dash in his last four games. Still three points in his last four games, but Tim Stutzel was uh, dash three last night, dash four against Toronto, the game we don't talk about, and then uh, minus one in, in his other last two games here. So I, I don't know what to say because like, I feel like he's playing pretty, pretty well. Like When Puck's on his stick, you can still see that there's um, you know, plays developing. I thought he had a couple of good breaks out, outs last night where he came all the way down to the goal line and brought the puck all the way up, clean zone exits, clean zone entries. But at the end of the day, I, I keep looking and he's he's minus 18 at yeah. the end of the day, right? In in 31 games and, and only has five goals right now. Although it's so tough to, to really judge him negatively because you see the positive that he's going out there. I don't know what, a certain Sun reporter, as we always call on the show, says he has to de- improve defensively uh, in his intermission hit. I, I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> Did you see him play last year? He has yeah. been improving defensively. He just turned 20 years old for crying out loud. But the yeah. shots are there. He, he was really charged with playing a lot last night. I don't think Josh Norris played his, his best game last night. I know that uh, he's done enough that <laughs> one game we're not going to get on him too yeah. hard for it. But – Josh Norris, certainly, I think he would tell you the same. He wasn't at his best last night either. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the rest of the team kind of picked up the slack there. Like you said, the season high in shots, they had possession for a long time. It's just, and we got to give stick taps to Michael Hauser. Like, that was a that was a good game for, yeah, for a guy who's only had four NHL games under his belt before. He he played really solid. He played good. in the East Coast Hockey League t- this year. Yeah, yeah. But he, he he's a, like... I mean, he's a good East Coast Hockey League goalie. He won goalie of the year a couple of years oh. ago. So um, so don't uh, don't take that away from him. You can't, you can't take that away from him. Um, uh, oh. what, what I wanted to say, I forgot about this, Ross, is how are you feeling about your 65-point prediction for Tim Stutz? Not days? great. Not great, dude. I, tr- I tried being nice and pouring some water on it, and a lot of fans gave me slack, uh, gave me flack, I should say, because uh, a lot of people were right with you, like, at least 50 points closer to 60. And I was yeah. trying to pour cold water on that, but it's, it's not the thing with Tim Stutzel is how he plays now. Doesn't really matter. Like we're going to, we're going to see the real Tim Stutzel and we're going to see how he affects his franchise. W- once this team is ready, like this team is not ready right now. And I think in two or three years, that's when we're really going to see him pop off because he's going to be surrounded by the proper uh, support. I think. Oh, you don't think Zach Sanford and Alex Formanton? No offense, because Formanton's been. Well, no, I do think Formanton is the proper guy for him. I do think that, but uh, yeah, 
Zach we argued Sanford's. about this the other day, but I still think if your third line has Formanton and Connor Brown, now you're looking at a competitive team. Definitely, definitely. But getting two getting two guys to replace them on that second line is no easy task. I've already got Kuzmenko and Penn Same. Yes. on my depth chart. He's our, he's our favorite oh. player. We've been following him along our whole career. Congratulations are in order for future Ottawa Senator Andre Kuzmenko officially making the Russian Olympic team. So, ah, there we go. Congratulations. Uh, no Vitaly Abramov on the team. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought he could have had a crack at it. But I mean, Russia, there's so many players in the KHL that are that are able to do do this. So uh, Yeah, you, you kind of look at it, though, and I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love it. I think he could have... Uh, he could have been there if, if he was playing up to the standard that I think he had set for himself uh, in junior hockey when he was just an animal with the the Gatineau. Gatineau yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but hey, at least Kuzmenko's there, right? Until he signs to someone else. How about uh, that certain Sunrider? And I hate that we're talking about him so much, but he was saying that like, oh, they're down to their short list, and uh, and this is kind of funny because I mean, like Kuzmenko is his short yeah. list of NHL teams. Okay, exactly. Yeah. And then last night again. TSN, who had this guy on, but their other intermission, Darren Dreger says, Dan Milstein, his agent, says every team is still interested and hoping to get Kuzmenko. So we're getting. I mean, you're getting the bias of both sides, right? Obviously, the Sens are going to be like, yeah. we're one of the few yeah. remaining teams. And obviously, the agent is going to be like, nah, every team is in contention yeah. here. Let's get those prices up. Yeah, 100%. I think Dan Milstein should probably be focused more on uh, on his boy, Vander Kane, uh, which is a story for another day. But let's just hope that guy stays far away from Ottawa. Although, oh, yeah. I, do you think, and like I've heard some stories about Milstein, do you think he could hold that over someone? Like, hey, if you sign Kane, maybe you'll get a better chance at Kuzmenko. I don't think so, but there there is uh, we're little not really insiders, but there is, that kind of stuff does happen, I'm sure, but I don't know if it's worth it for a team to to go through that. Although, if you did pick up a Vander Kane, it would only be in a rental capacity. So, I mean, short term pain for long term gain if you get Kuzmenko out of it. But I don't, I don't think that's a situation at all. And I'm not worried even for a second that the Sens would even come close to signing Kane because that's not where he would want to be either. So no. that's fine. But yeah, Kuzmenko, yeah, he, he's going to be the left winger for this team next year. <laughs> Yeah, you love that. Um, all right, any positivity before we go, Pelzi? Like, if you're a Sens fan, what are you holding on to here going into a three-game road trip on some pretty difficult spots? I mean, say what you want about Columbus, the the latter of the three games, but you're going through Washington and Pittsburgh, reverse order, but Pittsburgh on, on Thursday and then Washington going into the weekend. My uh, kind of little positivity here would be the Sens seem to play much better up against playoff contending teams. Look at the wins they've got this year. And DJ Smith talked about this a little. Like, they haven't played a lot of bottom feeders like they Buffalo, haven't. to be honest. They really they haven't. They pulled so. up that stat on the TSN broadcast last night. It was like 10 out of their 32 games are, are against non-playoff teams. Exactly. So they haven't really had that chance. And uh, just by numbers, statistically, it's more likely you're going to get wins up against the contenders. Because just simply you've played more games up against them. But, like... Let's let's rewind the clock and go back to that Florida game. Like they embarrassed the top team in the NHL, At, like and not just like a little bit. It was <laughs> it was eight two, wasn't it? If I remember yeah. correctly, eight two. So this team can pull that rabbit out of their hat and they can pull tricks on these contending teams. But I just feel like that Buffalo team, and we talked about it on the postcast. It was hilarious. 
that was an Ottawa Senators win by the Buffalo Sabres. Like, that's classic. You're massive underdogs. You take advantage of a couple mishaps, and you end up sneaking away with a with a win here. So if, if that's the tale here, then Ottawa can certainly do that to these up-and-coming teams, yeah. So the Senators will skate tomorrow morning in Pittsburgh at 11.30. So we're going to record before that. But I'm really curious to, to hear and see if Matt Murray travels with the team. Is he going on the road trip? Is he yeah. staying at home, hunkered down? That's a real question going forward after two good games. And then what's next? So we'll get into all that and more tomorrow. Really appreciate you making Locked On Senators your first listen of the day or watch as we're on YouTube. Please Mix in a like and subscribe. You can just hit that thumbs up button in the corner there. It does go a very long way. What are you thinking about the Matt Murray saga? Leave a comment. Let us know that. And please subscribe on uh, on where, your favorite audio platform as well as it does help us out. So thank you very much for listening. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.